Hi, my name is Mandy Griffin. And I'm Katie Swalwell. And this is Our Dirty Laundry. A podcast about white women making a mess of things. Quick note before this episode starts, we recorded this on January 6th, 2021, just a couple of hours before things got super weird and violent in our nation's capital. We did not know what was happening at the time we were recording, and we promise you an episode that looks into white women's role in organizing the insurrectionist terror attack on the U.S. Capitol and other state houses as soon as we're able. Enjoy this episode. Five, four, three... Two, one. It's happening. Recording. (laughs) (laughs) I actually was thinking this morning what an auspicious day this is for us to officially start recording our podcast, given the results of the Georgia runoff. I like that was not the result I was expecting. I didn't even let myself hope for it. And I'm just so in awe of all the organizing and the years of groundwork that were laid to make that happen. And so this feels like if the original idea for this podcast came from our like just furious rage at our fellow white women supporting horrible fascist politicians, then it's kind of a nice way to start is on a day when we have better news, I guess. I don't know. What did you think about when you got up this morning? I mean, yesterday, I really tried not to think about it at all because I just assumed they weren't going to win. I don't know. I mean, I still like donated, (laughs) (laughs) but I just assumed I was like, it's not going to happen. They're going to lose because that's what they've said from the beginning, that it's going to be too hard for them to overcome. So I didn't start looking at it until I was going to bed last night and then I think when I first looked, they were both behind. And so I was like, okay, this is how it's going to go, whatever, Uh you know. And Uh then when it switched, I was like, oh, okay. And when I went to bed, they'd called it for Warnock, not for Ossoff. They still haven't called Ossoff, right? Not officially. I would say that Mr. Wynn, but not officially. Right, right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I, I mean, then I'm also just like, well, the Republicans are never going to accept it anyway because their new line is just if we don't win and there was fraud, so, mm-hmm. which is convenient. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. won, the system worked, and if they don't win, there was fraud, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter no matter what. The flip side of like, you're, you're a witch if you drown, and you're you're innocent of being a witch if you drown, and if you don't drown, then we know you're a witch. It's like the inverse of that. Yeah, exactly. it's really sound logic. Uh, I. <laughs> what do you want to reminisce a little bit and talk about when I texted you? I what's so funny is I think this has probably been a few months now that we've been working on this, but I thought, okay, who do I want to work on this project with? I immediately thought of you. I texted you. Do you want to I should pull up the original text, but it was something like, Do you want to do a podcast with me about the history of white women being shitty? <laughs> and you were like, Yep, in like 12 seconds there was just like no hesitation no talk about like okay we both have little kids we both have full-time jobs outside of our homes what 
is the time commitment you're asking for? Like, no questions. Yep. When are we talking about it? Yeah. Not like, what? what is this about? What do you have in mind? I'm just like, oh, no. I probably launched into some forever diatribe that was just like, let me tell you how much I've thought about how much I hate white women. <laughs> well, so tell me, like, where does some of that come from? Where where did that start for you? I, I We should say we are both white women. I mean, I think this will become abundantly clear over the course of this podcast and on our website. We make that super clear. But like as white women who grew up in very white communities, where did that start for you? Um, I don't know how conscious I was of it. For sure, like in the high school years, I think a little bit. I don't know how. I don't know how we got to the somewhat progressive stage we were already at in June. I myself. I don't know. Sure. Your parents because, are definitely I mean, more political than my parents were. Like your parents yeah, were more outspoken and and like super involved in like partisan politics. My parents had like ethics and values that they communicated to me, but our house was not a house where you talked about politics. They just like, weren't really, um, into it. I I don't even, I couldn't tell you who my parents voted for in any given election for sure. You know, your household is not that way. (laughs) No, no, it was super political. I mean, I guess I can say like my grandma, my mom's mom, has always been into politics. Um, she was the first democratic female mayor of the town that she lives in ever. And I think maybe the last one, I think like all good um, chatter, burned a bunch of bridges and that is that. <laughs> uh, or she just lives in a super conservative, crazy mm-hmm. ass place, which is mm-hmm. definitely true. Um, and I'm sure there was some backlash against her having been in office, as we have mm-hmm. seen on the national scene, too. But so I do know that when I was a kid, like, I remember growing up with her campaigning for, like, city council and then for mayor. And there were, you know, elect Stella signs around town. And so even though I probably wasn't super conscious of it at that point, I think mm-hmm. that it just was part of what I grew up with. So it wasn't abnormal for me to see people involved in politics and to have like some sort of community involvement. Um, And then I think that somehow we all like coalesced in junior high and I don't know how we got the attitudes that we did. I wanted to like, you know, when we, we met, I think it was seventh grade and I don't know about the coalescing either, for sure. I mean, I remember, I I think maybe we just all kind of fueled each other and that it was just sort of a perfect storm. Um, I think too, like when we were in seventh grade, it was the early nineties. And I think there was like girl power sort of in the air in in terms of um, like our feminism. But I don't, in terms of our like racial literacy and consciousness, it, I don't really point to a moment or a purpose. I've really thought about it a lot. I've talked with friends. I don't, I don't really know where, um, like when and where I started to think about whiteness more critically. I mean, it's definitely something now that I think about all the time and want to learn as much as I can about, but what, what 
do you think triggered it I for think you? If I really think about it, I think that it probably happened more consciously for me when I was at Grinnell. Um, Mm-hmm. And I took, I can't even remember the name of the class. I took a couple classes from a professor named um, Keshel Scott. And oh, she's yeah. And yeah. a black woman. Yeah. Who's done a lot of like, you know, social activism and stuff. And I think for a lot of like the white people that went to a small liberal arts town, you know, college town in the middle of Iowa, um, interacting with her was probably the first time they had like a strong mm-hmm. black woman, like in your face, who was going mm-hmm. to call you out on your mm-hmm. privilege and make you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably the first time that it was like a conscious mm-hmm. kind of thing you had to think about in more depth, mm-hmm. um, which was great. And then I'm, I mean, I hundred percent know that my liberalism was totally set in stone through my experiences while I was there. Um, and then just, there's a lot more. I mean, it's just a very socially conscious school. And so um, mm-hmm. more of that stuff came up, but, but it still was not even to the extent that I think it needs to get to. It's still, I mean, here we are. Oh, right. How many years are we out of college? Should we say like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be however old we are that many years that we have to keep learning and thinking and reflecting and, you know, being in like deep trusting friendships and relationships with people and, you know, all of it. It's, I I think the longer I think about it, the more that I think about it, the more that I learn. And by it, I mean like whiteness, especially as it intersects with being a cis straight woman that it's just like, oh my God, there's just every layer you peel back. You're like, fuck, there's 97 more layers. Like, okay, we just got to keep peeling it back. And for me, I think the excitement I have around this is to do it with you to learn history. I mean, I'm a super history junkie. I taught high school history. I study social studies education. This is my jam. But I, I think these are histories, the history of white women being white, like working to preserve whiteness and and undermining or not being in solidarity with other women. I think that's a history I just don't know very well and is one that I definitely want to know more about. And I want to learn about for lots of reasons I want to learn about it. I think I want to be able to be sharper in my current analysis to figure out when that's happening because what I do know, the tactics haven't changed a whole lot. You know, there's still a lot of the same, you know, shenanigans happening that were happening a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. So I, I'm interested in that. And then I think even in just like coming to terms more with my obligations and, you know, the legacies that I need to try to repair and restore as part of who I am in the world, just wanting to take stock of that. I mean, it's not like it's, I don't think either of us would say, like wholesale that uh, this is not like a hashtag, not all white women, but I think it's not like, Oh, we love to hate ourselves. I don't think that is part of it at all for me. It's like, I'm fascinated by history. I think it's super important to learn about and know about. So we know what our communities, where they've come from, why they are the way they are and what our responsibilities and obligations are. So for me, it's like, I want to be better in community with people who have different identities than me. And part of that is like taking stock of how I came to be and how I got here, even when it's painful or ugly or shameful or 
heinous, you know, like the spectrum of badness, you know, I, I think that those histories are really instructive. Right. And I think my interest is the same, except for I am not a historian. I'm bring <laughs> the historian part, and then I am going to bring the shit talking. Part. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring the kindling. You bring the match, and together we will have an interesting time. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think the whole like horrific fascination around the past four years watching kind of this transformation or not, I don't know if it was a transformation or if it was just an unveiling Mm -hmm. um, of white women in politics. Um, I think it's a place where I feel like maybe we can do something because I, Mm -hmm. you know, you watch these interviews, you read articles, you see like these stark differences in opinion and you're like, what the hell? Like how did we get there? How can you think this way? What is this about? And I think that going back to history is one of the ways to answer that question, at least, because I think, you know, of course, we all know that history is written by the victor. So we always get the side of white men. And then there's like a little bit of a, oh, this was the counter side of some other white men. Um, but largely white women, I mean, everybody else in general, but since we're talking about white women, white women are left out of the story and we kind of have given ourselves an air of innocence because of that. Like, well, we didn't have power. We weren't in charge. Like, it's not really our fault. But if you go back and look at it, like white women have never been dumb and they've never been innocent. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've been (laughs) ignorant for sure. But I don't think um, that we're innocent in the history because we had our involvement. And I think that that's something that we don't talk a lot about and that people don't really recognize. And so hopefully that's what we can acknowledge more of. And you have to acknowledge it in order to fix the problems. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting you say that because I I do think there are tons of negative consequences of only focusing on white men in formal positions of power. I mean, the biggest one is anyone who wasn't a white man doesn't get to see themselves reflected in history and understand their contributions and agency, which of course, every human has had, even if they aren't in a formal institutional position of power. And when I think about the way that K-12 history is often taught, it's it's as if those people didn't exist or like a more generous read is, Oh, they couldn't. They they couldn't do things because they weren't allowed to. It's like, well, that's a problem, and we need to actually interrogate that. Like, yo, that's fucked up. Why did that happen? But in addition, people always have other ways to resist or push back or create. And if we're only looking at these formal positions of power, we miss that. I think that's kind of the most obvious critique of that history. But something that I think you and I are excited about is that by not thinking about white women specifically, then we miss all of the like gross, creepy, malicious <laughs> ways that they also were agents. Like you said, it's not this innocence like, oh, they would have done it differently. They just weren't in those positions of power. Again, from the research we've done so far, there's a lot of evidence that white women were actually utilizing the positions and the agency they did have to prop up systems of oppression. So we have to take a look at that too. I think for this um, 
kind of opener episode that I'd love to link in our blog to this scholar's work, Zeus Leonardo, who talks about this, he calls it the pedagogy of white supremacy and how important it is for people to learn about the mechanics of white supremacy, not just the consequences of it or like the the experiences of people who are on the receiving end of it, which of course are, that's super important. But if you don't also look at the mechanics of it and try to figure out who and what were involved in in reproducing and constructing systems of white supremacy, then you you either think they're natural or normal and they don't have people pulling the strings, but of course they do. And so then it lets those people off the hook or it makes it invisible what they're doing now. And I, I think that for me is a really important part of it. Like I want to know more about women's history, not just to be super proud and inspired, but to also understand the ways that we've been complicit in some really awful stuff and to reckon with that and try to figure out what that means for our actions moving forward. I think that's something I'm excited about with this podcast too, is that we're going to try to feature organizations and ways to get involved now that don't reproduce those patterns. Uh, I definitely, you know, don't want to like wallow in feeling guilty and then like just flagellate ourselves for an hour once a week and then call it a day. You know, I really want to figure out like what it means to know this history, what that means for how we act, how we are in the world, either in relationships or our work or our politics or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I think it's hard. Like I've thought about that same concept of like, are we just going to go through this? Like not self pity or just some sort of flagellation exercise Mm -hmm. or whatever, which is definitely not the point, but I also I also like have such a strong personal pushback to this narrative that some people would like that we can just move on that like that mm-hmm. wasn't us. We weren't alive then. We didn't do that. So it's not our fault and we don't need to discuss it and mm-hmm. can't we all just like move on and be nice mm-hmm. and work from where we are now? And I just don't think that's adequate. Like it's mm-hmm. not it's not going to work. You cannot mm-hmm. move on without acknowledging history and you can't acknowledge history if you don't know it. So, and, and I mean, we've done, we've started to look into things, but so much of it, even until like these past several months, I have not known. And so I don't want to also don't want it to come off as like a, well, listen, all you dumb idiots who don't agree with us, (laughs) this is what Right. You don't know. And we do like, we were going to tell you something here, dumb dumbs. And then we decided <laughs> not to call it that. Yeah, Right. Like, I don't want it to sound like we're on our high horse and we know better and we know everything at all. I mean, I think our point is no. we don't know. We know we don't know. We're wanting to find out. We bet that other people want to find out with us. Yeah. So let's make that journey. And, and I hope <laughs> that other people want to find out with us. I also have like struggled with the like thought that like, the people that I would love to reach with this information are also probably the people least likely. To <laughs> I know like the, the Dunning Kruger effect of life. Like they already know they're not going to listen because they're just going to hate everything we say. Um, mm-hmm. But hopefully like the people that we know will listen to us. will like pass it along in snippets and maybe some of it will reach even a few people. I mean, my, I don't, this is not remotely scientific at all, despite me being officially a social scientist. But I, my sense of like the world right now is that there's a big chunk of the population, especially among white women, I think, that have this sense of like 
good intentions. And a ton has been written about how your intentions don't matter. Like the impact is what matters. And I, if we're thinking about consequences, yeah, that's absolutely true. But I think for the purposes of something like this, like who might listen, who might be willing to learn these histories, I do think there's a lot of people who want to do better, want to do right, and just don't always know how they're doing wrong or what, you know, the harm that they're doing, that they don't see it or they're not aware of it or they they didn't anticipate it. And so I'm hoping that there's that swath of people that maybe haven't really thought this through all the way, but haven't really seen how their actions can hurt people. Like one example, I guess, I don't know if this is a good one or not, but I'm thinking of like the pussy hats for the women's march and just thinking about how that excluded trans women or they were pink and that that might imply like, you know, whiteness, white, white pussies, pink pussies. And I think to be able to, to anticipate the sensitivity and the ways in which white women have so often not been in solidarity and not been good listeners and not been good partners. And just trying to learn more about that for people who really do want to do right. I'm hoping that there's enough women in that category that might be willing to be curious with us and to learn more. Like that's the category I would put myself in. Like I, I don't want to do harm. And I know sometimes I feel I've got, so both you and I have little kids. My youngest is eight months old right now. And he is like figuring out how to move his arms and he is just knocking over anything within his like 18 inch radius reach. And that's how I sometimes feel like a white woman in the world is just flailing limbs that I know enough to know I'm probably flailing and I'm probably knocking things over. And the more I learn, the more adept I get at not knocking that stuff over, but I'm still clumsy. And so I'm just trying to figure out how to control those muscles better. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a good analogy. I think the other caveat we should talk a little bit about is that we don't think white women are the source of all horrible stuff either. And I, I don't, (laughs) 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 our second podcast, why white men are the worst. Um, But I, you know, there's a lot of people with marginalized identities who can also do a lot of harm, but I, I don't think those are our stories to tell or our stories to share. Like our stories as white women that we can, I that I feel comfortable digging into and like airing, hence the name of our podcast, Our Dirty Laundry. Like it's our dirty laundry that we get to air. And so even if there are stories of, you know, ways that other folks can do harm and can be racist or to can facilitate racism or whatever, you know, I, to me, that's, that's not our story to tell. It's not that I, I'm, don't want to learn about it. Like I definitely do, but I, in for the purposes of this, like reckoning with it, it's who we are in the world and the legacies of people who have had our identities, who've shared our identities that I think that's, that's the greatest responsibility that we have. Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, no, I've thought about that a lot. Um, just in also from the perspective of like, I don't want to take over the voices of black women, because I think that there's a lot to learn from black women. And I think it's time, like we've talked about at times, it's time at some level for white women to step aside and learn from black women instead and listen to them, which I think we have to do. Um, 
But I think there's also this, the other side of that is that black women don't owe it to us to educate us about <laughs> our problems. Like we don't need to use any more of their physical and mental energy to fix ourselves. So part of it is the whole idea of like the come and get your people, you know, mm -hmm. and that's yes. like <laughs> kind of the space that I see this in, like, come on, like we got to fix our own issues and then we can join in with other communities. Like we plan on doing and talking about some of right. those things. Um, but this is, this is the come to Jesus part. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. I, I think that's how I, I reconcile it too with taking up space or using art, like a platform for us to talk to each other. And, you know, I, that's how I see it is like a come and get your girls kind of moment. And I do think there's a need for that and a need I've heard expressed by girlfriends who are black and brown or indigenous, you know, who are like, yes, please talk to your people and tell them to stop, like help in whatever way you can. So I think it's a delicate balance and a dance. And I, I hope we, you know, are careful and responsible with that and, and are figuring out ways to do it well. Um, I, I think the fact that we have an advisory board and are running ideas by our trusted friends, I think that helps me feel a little bit more at ease that when we do research that we're really prioritizing the voices of women of color, scholars of color in particular, that that's who we're learning from and lifting up their work. Um, I know it won't always be women of color scholars or women of color authors that we're reading, but I think that's definitely been the focus thus far. And I think that is good to keep. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, there's like a whole host of ways this could go totally wrong. And then I was telling my sister about this podcast too. And she's like texting me last night, like, I'm really worried about the wackadoos that are going to come after you and Mandy, you know, for saying whatever and doing whatever. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's not that I don't think about that or that I haven't had, weird phone calls or annoying, harassing emails or, you know, things that have happened in the past for other projects. But this is definitely the most public project I've done and the most likely to maybe have lay people here that, and by lay people, like, of course you can tell I'm an academic. I'm, call me out on my academic snobbery at any point, but it's like people who don't like write about this, think about this, talk about this all day long, every day, that that's what they get paid to do. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to just like not give any energy or think too much about that. Like we'll deal with it when it comes. I don't know. Do you have a role policy or like a way that you deal with people who are coming at you who are either totally ill-informed or have ill intent? Like what's, what's our, what's our policy for people that just came to pull down the whole purpose of this, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think there's, there's two levels there's, and it's kind of like how I've dealt with some of it on other social media platforms just over this last political season. Mm -hmm. There's either like the outright block, which I think is totally legitimate for people that are just there to like make noise and cause trouble and have no interest in actually having a dialogue. And those people, I don't have a problem being with like, you know, we're, we're not going to reach you. We're not here to reach you. Like I'm not going to engage on that level. Um, and then there's the people that 
you may not reach, but in having a conversation with them, you can work out things that your wider audience can then learn from. Mm -hmm. there, There have been times where I've engaged in these back and forth, like long dialogues on Facebook where people from the outside are like, why in the hell are you talking to that person? Like this, it's such a waste of time. They haven't changed their mind at all. They're ridiculous. And I'm like, well, yes, but I'm not actually trying to change their mind. I'm trying to speak to the other people who might not be joining in. Or who might have had these sorts of thoughts or heard them from family, friends, news networks, whatever, and don't know what to think about them or haven't been able to articulate what they think about them or could articulate it but are too afraid to because they don't know anybody who also thinks like them and speaks to what they're saying to give that a voice and let people know that this is the other side, these are the other viewpoints, Mm -hmm. and this, you know... And there are other people who think like you. So I, you know, I think that's a totally different way. That's like the, as you say, more academic way of looking at it in the actual, like every day, how does this affect your life? Like being afraid that there are crazy, wacky people out there who could actually be kind of scary and dangerous. Like I do think that that's true. And I do think that those people are out there. Mm -hmm. But I've also thought about that, like, I started thinking about it more concretely in the wake of George Floyd's murder, Mm -hmm. and the protests afterwards, and participating in that, where some, you know, like, well intentioned people were like, well, do you, are you sure you should go to that? Is that going to be safe? You know, Mm -hmm. like, why do you need to do that? And I think that we are in the position that we're in because we have decided white women have decided to choose the side of safety over the side of courage way too often. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is that marginalized people don't have the choice to go with safety. They're continuously in a space of danger um, and they don't get to opt out of it. Right. And so when you come to the space where you can opt out of that, I think sometimes you have to choose not to. Right. As also as a way to support those communities and say, I'm going to put myself in a maybe not so safe spot because I think it's important. Yeah. That's not the, my safety isn't the most important thing in this yeah. moment. Yeah, I I a thousand percent agree. I mean, and I think ultimately, like, often our sense of, oh, we're really being vulnerable, it's still like 99.9% super safe. So it's like, it feels like we're taking a risk. But I, you know, obviously, it's not remotely close to other risks people take. But I that I think that's the what what we have to just keep saying is if and when there are ever situations where we can um, opt out of safety or compliance or obedience. We have to do that. And I I think the very fact that those people exist and might try to do harm or whatever just bolsters the need for it. So it just proves the point of how desperately needed more anti-racist histories and solidarity are. So I'm, I don't know. That's how I think I'm going to think about it is 
twofold to your point, like, yeah, if and when I can ever put myself out there, I need to do that. And in terms of not choosing my comfort and safety um, at the preservation of whiteness, like I can't, can, I can't do that. And then also every time something happens that it's just going to be fuel to our fire, that that's, um, I don't know, I don't want to like invite it, but I, I just think it's important that that yeah, that like a like fear of our own personal safety or comfort does not is not a factor in our calculus. But again, it's a podcast that who knows maybe sixteen people will listen to, and then it's not an issue at all. I mean, hopefully that's not the case. But um, yeah, I mean, any any other caveats? I'm thinking of of two just our like our longstanding decades long friendship. One of my favorite parts of who you are as a person is just your very dark sense of humor and your gallows humor. And I think that's something I might be an acquired taste for people is where our, our jokes, our humor goes or what, what we find, where we find reasons to laugh. Um, so if dark humor is not your thing, this is maybe not the podcast for you. And then I think you just like, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, there's a reason that I ended up in like emergency medicine, I think, because it's definitely <laughs> a place where you survive through dark humor, which I'm like, great, this is for me. So yeah, and I think I, I think I ran past you at one point, like, and we'll see if it becomes an issue or not, like doing a little short synopsis of our podcast and taking out the uh, more offensive parts of it so, so that maybe people who are too much uh in the pearl clutcher category will actually come back and listen to it if they can't stand hearing words we're not npr i mean we i feel like we, <laughs> are, we are you know broadcast on pbs i'm part of me feels like you and i both also i, I think like really love genuinely love to cuss and to curse and to use swear words. It's like super cathartic. And so I, a part of me feels like I don't want to beep that out because those words exist for a reason. And again, some of the histories we've already uncovered, the only word to describe it is like fucking bonkers. Like that's the only way to really do justice to some of the stories that we're learning about is, is to say like what an asshat or like what a shitty thing to do. And I don't know other words. And maybe that means my vocabulary is limited. But I, it, no, it that's feels the good. shame. That's the shame that people have tried to put on swearing. <laughs> I hate that excuse. That whole like, oh, well, you have a limited vocabulary. If you swear, go fuck yourself. Like, that's, it's just a way of trying to suppress uh, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not here for language shaming whatsoever. I don't tolerate language shaming at all. It's <laughs> just a way for people to dismiss people being angry. And I also think that those words have power because there are people who dislike them so much. So I guess that's fine that some people... <laughs> Are so against them because if they were like widely accepted, then that power wouldn't be there. So whatever, fuck it. We're saying it. <laughs> any, any other like worries, caveats, things you want people to know about this podcast? You know, I definitely want to direct people to our website, ourdirtylaundrypodcast.com, because 
We've got tons of references and resources there. We're trying to really amplify the work of women of color in particular and explain where we're getting our information, you know, all of those kind of technical details. But um, that I think that's really important to go there and check it out. And we also explain a little bit about our process, how we come up with our episode ideas, how we vet them with our critical friends who are women of color and just really are trying to be thoughtful. There's also ways to contact us um, per our earlier discussion about trolls. If you are here to tell us that not all white women are bad or that racism is an invention, you can fuck all the way off and we don't really care. Don't waste your time emailing us because we will just use your emails to fuel our fire. But yeah. we definitely want to hear if we've ever misspoke, if we've, you know, conveyed wrong information, if we've left something out, if we've, you know, done something super white ladyish in our attempts to disrupt white ladyishness. So we definitely want to hear Let about us know. that. Yeah. yeah. And we're also, I think, aware that people of color are not monolithic, that right. there right. are going to be differences um, in opinions among um, women of different backgrounds as to how we should approach it, how we shouldn't approach it. And I think mm-hmm. we'll try to be careful about the way we evaluate those. So we appreciate feedback both mm-hmm. ways. If you think we're ridiculous or helpful <laughs> or whatever, it would be good to know both. So we can discuss that and hope, and we will, we'll discuss that when it comes up and just be super open about things and try to figure it out. We've also got our list of episode ideas that we will post on the website so people know what's coming up, but also please share if you have expertise or you have knowledge that you want us to learn more about and dig into, please, please let us know. Um, Because these histories are not particularly like well publicized in a lot of ways, especially among white women. um, If you know of someone we should talk to, or if you are someone we should talk to, let us know. We were really excited to hear what it is that people want to learn more about, or maybe that's it. It's something you don't know. You suspect there's a story there, but you want us to dig into. That would be great too. We are, we are down for that. We're down to do the bidding of people who want to learn about white women being shitty. (laughs) We're here for that. Uh, Oh, the other thing I was going to mention is we're really focused on the intersection of race and gender, but I think something we want to also be really sensitive to is like both of us identify as cis straight women. And so I think our gender expression and our, you know, sexual identities also intersect in ways. So even when we're not, you know, really foregrounding it necessarily that we are trying to be thoughtful about how all of like, what it even means to be a woman. This is basically me saying like JK Rowling sucks and we see trans women as women. And of course there are sisters and part of the experience. And we also don't want to reify or presume straightness, cisness, you know, that cisgenderedness, like we don't want that to be part of what we're doing, but I don't, we may do it. Yeah. Oh, we're like, I'm sure we will forget to highlight that or we'll leave out stories. So please, um, you know, know that we are working on that and that we are open to uh, making sure that we don't leave that out or forget that as part of this podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Any other ideas? I mean, I think I'm just so excited to get started. I'm so excited to jump in. It's like a dark fascination because of course, everything we read so far has just been so utterly awful. I don't, it's like, 
when I go to bed at night and I pull my reading, like my stack of books that I have, and I like open the next one, I'm like, oh, what horrible disasters await me now to learn about how super shitty white women have been. But it's, I don't know, it is like really empowering somehow to reckon with that history, like to feel like we're, if we can help shed light on it, that it, it the consequences of those actions can be more fully um felt like more fully exposed. And most of these histories are still present. I don't think there's anything we've studied so far that has been like figured out or fixed or is better now. Like even the, you know, stuff from like the 19th century or before that we're learning about, you can see traces of it in current events today, if not bigger than traces, you know, like, oh, that exact same thing is still happening. So even as we talk about history, we're going to try our best to also connect it to current events. And we mentioned this before, um, organizations, especially those run by women of color that are lifting up um, ways that we can actually contribute now um, and to take action steps now. We don't want to just get mired, like we said, in, in like masochistic guilt, even if right. we feel that for a little bit, um, we want to, we want to try to encourage each other to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I am under like no delusion that we can fix these problems, but I think that there are people out there like the glorious Stacey Abrams, who, especially on today, we have to give so much credit to, um, that are fixing them. And hopefully we can just, learn and you know pass along to each other how we can get involved in those sorts of things because it's just in a way it is like the simple daily actions the conversations that you have with your friends with your coworkers, with your families just having the information to be able to bring it up and point to people not just where they went wrong or where we have gone wrong in the past but where we can go and what we need to do to try to make things better so yeah, that will be part of the focus too. We're going to take your dirty britches out from under your bed, <laughs> but we're also going to give you some detergent. Tell you yes. how to get clean. I like the circling back to our our title that I think we were both so excited about. We figured <laughs> it out. We're going to air the dirty laundry, not just for shame purposes. <laughs> your poopy pants, but we're going to <laughs> scrub them clean as much as we can try to make them presentable and do what we can to move forward. Absolutely. And yeah, this <laughs> in true white lady fashion, we, we um, are presenting this podcast as the solution to everything. <laughs> we know that this is like a drop in the bucket, but it's our drop that we can put into that bucket and we're just excited to get going. So thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you in episode one.